great song. I, I love that song, and I think that song is especially because of what we're getting ready to do uh, on Tuesday. We're getting ready to vote. Y'all, here's the, uh, this is the big picture. This isn't the cop-out, but here's the big picture. Jesus reigns. Jesus is in charge, and for those of us who follow Christ, our hope is in him. It is not in any politician. It is to be in Jesus. So I love that song. I think it sets the tone for what we're looking forward to. Now, as, we are, as I mentioned that, there, are, there is no doubt that there's something big that's taking place on Tuesday. And so there is an election that's taking place, and I'm, I'm pretty sure you all are aware of that. I think that people have been campaigning for office now. Yeah, the, the campaigns, it's like professional baseball. Y'all, we need to cut the season back a little bit. So it's just a little bit too long for me. Uh, but saying that, I know that there are a lot of people, a lot of y'all already know what you're going to do. You know how you're going to vote. There are others who uh, say they don't, they don't know what they're going to do. Now, I know some people who say they're not going to vote. Now, in case you're wondering, so what are you going to do? And I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm voting. And uh, one of the reasons why I'm doing it is because of the, because of the series we're going through right now. It's called C4, Engaging Culture. And this is really, I believe this is a conviction that has, uh, that's really been put on my heart because of, because of the Lord. I believe God put this on my heart, and it is this. That as Christians, we are called to engage culture. Uh, we, are not, we are not called to sit back and not do anything. We are called to, to get into the mix of things. Now when I say that, I'm talking about with the Christ-like spirit. And so we have determined that as a church, we are going to engage culture. Our focus is going to be on four different areas. We've decided we're going to engage culture as a church, as Village Church, on our campuses, in our community, in our care ministries, and then also in our civic responsibilities. And so that is what we're going to be talking about today. And this whole idea actually comes, and you might be happy to know this, it comes from Jesus Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 14 through 16. He said, You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden, and no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, here's Jesus' command for us, let your light shine before men, so that they may see your good works and give glory to to your Father in heaven. Now, as Christians, as a church, the command that we have from Jesus is that we are to be a light in the world. Now, the reason why he calls for us to be a light in this world is because of darkness. We are living in a dark world. It's always been that way. That's the way it is today. And so Jesus has given his people the responsibility to shine the light so that people can see. Now, today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see how we can shine the light, how we as Christians can be a positive influence by engaging culture in our civic responsibility. And today in our Scripture, we're going to be looking at a man from the Old Testament. His name was Daniel, and Daniel was a man who was a godly influence even though he was living in a pagan land. He was able to be a godly influence even though the leadership at the time was pagan. 
Now, for us, I believe this passage of Scripture applies to us today because here's what I believe that many of us as Christians need to start recognizing. Y'all, we live in a post-Christian nation. I really believe that. I believe that the, uh, main, the main values, the truths of Scripture are no longer mainline in much of our culture today. Uh, our values are not mainline in our media, not mainline in our entertainment. And, and dare say, even in some of our mainline churches, our mainline beliefs are not even mainline there. So you might say, well, if that's true, then what are we supposed to do? How, how can we as Christians, how can we as Village Church engage our culture in a civic responsibility and be a positive influence? Well, we're going to see how it's possible in Daniel chapter 4, verse number 27. We're just going to look at that one verse today. And if you have your Bible, you can go right to the middle of it and then pinch a few pages, maybe like maybe half an inch, and, and to your right, and you're going to run into Daniel. Uh, otherwise, if you want to, you can go to your table of, com uh, uh, table of contents. It's a little bit easier. So Daniel 4.27. Now I'm going to give you a little background about this one verse. Jerusalem had been destroyed by the Babylonian Empire. Remember, they had built this great big temple, uh, this huge temple that was to honor God. It was Solomon's temple. And then uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, comes in, and they absolutely, I mean, they, they tear down the temple of God. And they, they rip it up, and then they take into captivity some of, the, some of the people, the best and the brightest that were living in Jerusalem. One of the men, a young men, that was taken into captivity during this time was a man named Daniel. Now, Daniel was an exceptional man. Now, you may have heard of Daniel before in the Bible. One of the most famous stories in the Bible is about Daniel. Y'all remember what that story was about? Yeah, the Daniel and the lion's den. Very good. And so this is the Daniel that we are talking about today. Now, Daniel, because he was such an exceptional guy, he was placed into the leadership of the nation of Babylon. Uh, he was one of Nebuchadnezzar's advisors. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, he, he wasn't, it's not like he was a great godly man. He was a pagan. He was a guy who did not worship the God of Scripture. He was arrogant. He was cruel. And God sent him a dream. Now, you can read about the dream if you want to. It's in the preceding verses of chapter 4. And whenever he received the dream, Daniel comes along. Daniel interpreted the dream for Nebuchadnezzar. And here's what the interpretation was. He said, a king, God is going to judge you. God's going to judge you. And, and he encouraged the king to repent, to turn away from his sin so that God might spare the kingdom. What he was doing is he was giving a godly, positive influence. Okay, so here's Daniel. I believe that the situation he was in is very similar to the situation that we are in today. Yo, we are living today, I really believe this, we are living like we are in the nation of Babylon. Where we are living in a, a culture, in a time that is morally on a morally precipitous slide right now. We have drifted away from God. I told you, I believe last week, the fastest growing religion in America today is called nuns. As in, we don't believe in anything. That's the fastest growing religion in America today. And so the question is, how can we be a godly influence in the land of Babylon? What can we do? Well, today what we're going to do is we're just going to take a look and see how Daniel was able to engage in the political arena to be a positive influence. So what did he do? Well, first of all, Daniel engaged 
by being involved. He just simply engaged by being involved in the whole process. Now I want you to look with me finally in verse number 27. He said, here's what Daniel said. He said, therefore may my advice seem good to you, my king. He said, separate yourself from your sins by doing what is right and from your injustices by showing mercy to the needy. Perhaps there will be an extension of your prosperity. Now when I look at that, what I see is Daniel was engaged in the process. Daniel did not step back and say, hey, listen, whatever will be, will be. You know, God's in charge of everything. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to sit back and let everything happen. That's not, that's not Daniel. We, we look at Daniel, we see Daniel got involved. Christians, here's what I believe. I believe we are called to get involved. If we're going to be a godly influence, we have to participate. Now, Daniel carried a lot of influence with Nebuchadnezzar. If you go all the way back to Daniel chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, whenever Daniel was brought into the kingdom as an exile, here's what it says. It says, The king interviewed them, and among all of them no one was found equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And so they began to serve in the king's court. In every matter of wisdom and understanding that the king, king consulted them about, he found them ten times better than all the diviner priests and mediums in his entire kingdom. Now Daniel was a guy who ended up getting the ear of the king of Babylon. Which is really interesting. I mean, he's a guy, he, he comes in basically into the nation of Babylon as a slave. And then all of a sudden he becomes an advisor to the king. Now how did that happen? Well, it's real interesting. It happened because he was faithful to God. When he first arrived in Babylon, they, they were trying to get them to do things. These new, new Jewish captives, they are trying to get them to do things that went against Scripture. And so they gave them food that went against Scripture. And uh, Daniel and his three friends said, we're not going to do that. We're going to be faithful to God no matter what the conditions are. And they said, we want you to eat this food. They said, no, we're not going to eat that food. We're going to do what God tells us to do. And so Daniel made a deal. He said, listen, he said, if you'll allow us to be obedient to our God, just check us out after 10 days. And if 10 days, if we look the worst for the wear, then we'll do what you say. So after 10 days, they went back, they looked at those uh, four men, and those men, they, they, they were in better shape than everybody else. And so they allowed them to continue to honor God. Now, what happened because of that? Well, because they were faithful to God, God blessed them with wisdom. And when Nebuchadnezzar found out about their wisdom, he wanted to use the wisdom of Daniel. Now, I think we would all agree that we are living in a time where wisdom is needed. Would you all agree with that? I, I, I look, and, and it looks to me as well, that we are living in a time when there's not much wisdom. And we, we are living in a time where we need wisdom. So, so how can we be an influence in that arena? Christians, Village Church, as we are obedient to God, I believe that one of the blessings that God gives his people as we are obedient to his leadership is God blesses us with wisdom. He enables us to make good, informed choices, to make good decisions that will honor him. And that's what Daniel did. Daniel received wisdom, and he used that wisdom. He went to the king, and he told, he told the king, I want to give you advice. Uh, the, another word for advice is he wanted to give him counsel. Now, the king at this time had had a weird dream, and so Daniel came along, and he interpreted the dream, said, now I'm going to give you my advice. And in the dream, he, he, he saw what was happening, and he said, king, here's the dream. 
And I, y'all, I'm paraphrasing here. He said, here's the dream. As you are disobedient to God, he said, if you don't repent, God is going to remove you from your throne. He wanted to share his wisdom. Why did he want to do that? Real simple. He wanted to do it because he wanted to do what was best for where he was living. He wanted to do what was best for the country that he was now living in so that he could hopefully, for some time, stave off the judgment of God. Now, now we all know that in our country right now, things, things just, they're not right. And Paul's back this up. Rasmussen has a poll out that said that 70, 70% of Americans believe that our nation is headed in the wrong direction. I don't know who the other 30 are, but I'm looking, I'm like, yeah, that seems pretty obvious. Uh, 80% of Americans, according to a Real Clear Politics poll, say that they do not like Congress. Now, it's real easy for us to point out problems, but if those problems are going to be corrected, or at least if those problems are going to be addressed, you know who has a responsibility to share wisdom so that those problems can begin to, to change? It's us. It's Christians. It's Village Church. Guys, we can't ever expect things to become different as if we as Christians go and hide from culture and say, I'm not going to participate. God has blessed us in our faithfulness to him with wisdom. Therefore, we are to use that wisdom in the choices that we make and we are to engage. So so how do we engage? Well, practically, it's, it's going to involve us caring for our nation. We need to care about what's taking place in our country right now. We need to care so much that we are willing to engage even in the political process. We need to use our wisdom and to say, what policies are out there that are supportive of the things of God and what policies are out there that are against the things of God? And some some real simple things for me. And I believe should be for all Christians. Whenever it comes to life, life comes from God. You know, we should always support life. Especially the life of the unborn. We we need wisdom in that area. Because there's not a whole lot of wisdom whenever I see what's happening in that area of children and the unborn. We, We need to support those who support the freedom of religion. The free exercise of our faith. We need to support those who support family. Did you you know that the family is the underpinning of our society? I don't care what anybody says. Whenever it comes down to it, the underpinning of our society is the family. And yet we have so many government programs right now that are anti-family. You must say, well, how is that possible? Let me share with you a couple of them. One is abortion. Another one that we have is, did you know that in our welfare program, that there is a penalty for being married? You pay, you, pay, you pay more. And so what happens is that people want to avoid that penalty, so there's no longer, that marriage is on the way down right now. And so there are a lot of families now that do not have fathers that are in the home. Now, whenever the family begins to break down, I guarantee you, you're going to see culture begin to break down. And that is what's happening in our nation right now. How else can we engage? Yeah, I'm going to be real honest with you. We need people like you. People from Village Church, people from other churches 
who will be willing to step into the public arena and run for office. I'm going to pick a couple of you right now. We need some people who are going to run for office locally, people who will do it statewide, people who will do it nationally. Now, involvement for us so it does not involve talk. We have to back it up with action. And whenever we back up our faith with our action, people are going to be much more aware of us and see that we are people who believe what we preach. Now, we've done a great job at this in, in, of this in many areas in our church. Uh, we, have, we have many of you who are involved with the lives of young people in our student ministry, our children's ministry. Uh, many of you have been involved in missions in our church, and in particular, whenever we go to Haiti every year and the work that you do down there. You know, those, are, those are fantastic things, and the community around us, they see that, and they say they believe what they preach, but we also have to be engaged in the civic process. And a huge reason why we find our country in the shape that it's in right now is because of a lack of involvement. Do you realize that... that a, a, an involvement in community events and civic responsibility has been waning in our country for years. There was a, a book that was written by a Harvard professor. It's called Bowling Alone. And in the book, he talks about the decline of community activity and civic responsibility. Now, he got the title Bowling Alone because in the 1960s, bowling was huge. Uh, today, there has been a 75% decrease in bowling leagues as compared to the 1960s. And I think that must stop. No, but anyway, so it's, it's just there's, there's a decline in that, in that area. Uh, there, there's a decline not just in bowling. There is a decline in, in, uh, in political activity with people volunteering. Uh, from the 1960s to, the, to today, it has declined by 50%. Being involved in community organizations, even like the, the PT, it was the PTO, Parents Teachers Association, or whatever they call it now, uh, even that from the 1960s to today has declined by 50%. So there's just this natural withdrawal of people in our society from being involved in community, being involved in civic responsibility. Now, now Village Church, here's the deal for us. We have not been called to hide and build a fort from culture We've been, in call, we've been called to engage. And, and that's how I see that Daniel was able to be a positive influence because he was willing to engage. Villagers, we've got to engage. But here's the second thing I want you to see. Daniel also engaged by doing this, by being willing to call out right from wrong. This is a tough one. If we're going to be engaged, we have to be willing to call out right from wrong. Verse 27 Therefore, may my advice seem good to you, my king. Listen to what he says. He said, separate yourself from your sins by doing what is right and from your injustices by showing mercy to the needy. Perhaps there will be an extension of your prosperity. Now, if we allow our faith to inform our decisions, let me tell you something. There's going to be times when that's going to be difficult, when it's not going to be easy. And I think the way that most of us operate, I know the, the thing that would be easy for me, is it's very easy for me to hold to my convictions when everything is convenient, right? When everybody agrees with me, I can hold to my convictions. But what about when people don't agree with me? Well, that's where it becomes a little tougher. You know, and I, I see this 
I see this all the time. I'll give you two examples from our, from our election right now, the process we're going through. I watch the, I'm sort of a, a, I'm a political nerd, and so I actually watch debates. And I get popcorn out like it's a movie night. Okay, so I'm sitting there, I'm watching the vice presidential debate. And uh, Tim Kaine, who's the Democratic <coughs> uh, nominee for vice president, he talked about his Christian faith. He's a Catholic, he's a Christian. And then whenever he talked about abortion, here's what he said. He said, when it comes to abortion, he said, I take my faith and I lay it over here and then I make a decision on abortion. Okay, and I look at that and I think, well, then your faith ain't worth squat. You know, if you're, if you're going to have faith, it better impact the decisions you make and everything. You don't take your faith and lay it aside. That irritates me when I hear stuff like that. Okay, so you might say, well, are you going to say anything about the other side? I am. I'll tell you something that concerned me and irritated me is whenever Donald Trump said, I'm a Christian, but I don't need God's forgiveness. Hello? Uh, that's a problem for me. Okay, so let me tell you something. Whenever faith, whenever we talk about faith, when we talk about making decisions, guys, it impacts everything about our lives. Now, so then how do we engage? Well, I look at Daniel, and this is interesting to me. Do you realize Daniel was engaged in the process when he was serving a king who was not a follower of God? And yet he was still engaged. Guys, let me tell you something. It is not an excuse for us to say, I'm not going to be engaged because this is an ungodly process. I look at Daniel. Daniel was engaged. Now, Daniel wasn't just a court official. He was also an exile. And he had a master. And one thing you don't want to do with your master is you don't want to irritate your master, do you? I mean, you don't want to do anything that would make him mad. And yet, look what Daniel did. Look how he engaged. Again, in verse number 27, he said, I'm going to use my position in order to inform the king about the power of God. He said, King, separate yourself from your sins. By doing what is right, and from your injustices, by showing mercy to the needy. For him to say that took boldness. But he wanted to be a godly influence. He told the king, separate from your sins. That word separate, it means to break off. Daniel didn't come to the king and say, you know, it'd be nice if you just sort of tweak, you know, your ruling style a little bit. That's not what he did. He said, king... You're going this direction, you need to break it off and quit doing what you're doing and go in a different direction. That's, that's bold. And so, well, what was the king doing? I told you before, the king was known, he was arrogant. The king also treated those who were poor basically as his slaves. Now, this was common practice. This wasn't anything unique to him. This was common practice. Let me, let me give you a couple of examples I found, I found in history that were interesting. Uh, in Egypt, uh, 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 one of their leaders' name was Muhammad Ali. I'm not talking about the boxer. This is a long time ago. Uh, whenever they built a canal from Cairo to Alexandria, he had 60,000 men work on that canal. You know what tools they had to dig a canal? Their hands. He didn't, he didn't want to supply them with anything. He said, it costs more. So he said, just get out there with your hands and dig it. Thousands of people died digging that canal. That was common practice. Uh, during the Ming Dynasty, whenever the Great Wall of China was built, over a 200-year 200, 200 period, millions of people were made to build that wall. It's estimated that over a million men and women died building the Great Wall of China. Now, there's no doubt there's a lot of wrongs that go on in our society with leaders and their leadership. Uh, we have leaders who would actually, in our country, who would like to get rid of the Hyde Amendment. So what's that? And this one, this is concerning to me. The Hyde Amendment uh, uh, 
does not allow federal dollars to be used for abortion. We have some leaders who want to get rid of that amendment so that we can use federal dollars for abortion. Uh, We have policies in place where we have welfare programs that penalize those who are married, and I've already spoken about that. So Christians, this is where we need to stand up and speak out and call out right from wrong. We need to base our decisions off of what is right and separate it from what's wrong. And we said, well, why would I want to speak out? And you might say, if I speak out, you know, I don't want to upset anybody. If I speak out, I'm afraid there'll be people who won't like me. I'm afraid I might even get in trouble. Christians, we don't, we don't need to fear. And I'm not saying that I'm Superman up here. But we don't need to fear because of who stands behind us. You know who stands behind us? You know who stands with us? It's our God. You know, when I was a kid, I used to watch the TV show Superman, like the old one that was in black and white. And if you ever watched that, you know, Superman, he'd come out and he'd be getting ready to, you know, go after some, some guys that were committing a crime. They'd all have guns. And do you all remember whenever, uh, this is like the 1950s Superman, and they'd pull out their guns, their little Tommy guns, they'd start shooting at Superman. You remember he'd stand like this? And his cape would be blowing, and, and the bullets would be, you know, be pinging off of him. He'd just stand there like that. Now, here's something that is interesting that I, that I noticed. When they would finish shooting at Superman, they would always, they'd always take their gun, and they would throw it at Superman. But you know what, what Superman would do when they throw it at him? Y'all remember? He would duck. And I always thought that was weird. You know, why would he duck? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, he would stand there, and he would take all the bullets, but then they throw a gun, and then he ducks. I'm like, that, that doesn't make sense. Okay, Christians... That is what many of us do. You know, we, we say that we follow God. We, we believe that God has power over sin. We believe that God provides us with eternal life. And then we begin to think about some of the daily things of life, and we duck. What? We don't need to duck. We don't need to be fearful because of who stands with us. Romans 8, 28 tells us all things will work together for good for those who love God. Now look at Daniel. Dan- Daniel was involved he was able to engage and be a, a, a positive influence because he was involved. And secondly, he engaged by calling out right from wrong. And then here's the last thing I want you to see today. Daniel engaged by simply doing this, by hoping for God's mercy. He hoped for God's mercy. Verse 27, therefore my, may my advice seem good to you, my king. Separate yourself from your sins by doing what is right and from your injustices by showing mercy to the needy. And here's the part I want you to focus on. Perhaps... There will be an extension of your prosperity. The key word there is perhaps. And this is really an, this is an interesting verse to me. God had given Daniel an interpretation of the dream. And basically the dream prophesied that if the king did not repent, that God was going to remove the king from his power. So, so what did Daniel do? Daniel engaged. And he went to the king. And he told the king, basically he says, you need to turn away from your sins so that perhaps God will grant us mercy. Okay, I believe we are in a very similar position today. I don't think it takes a whole lot of stretching to say that God's hand of blessing is moving away from our country right now. I look at, I look at the precipitous slide that we are having morally in our nation. There's stuff that's going on right now. I'm like, do I live in the twilight zone? I mean, what, what, it is uh, unrecognizable to me, some of the stuff that's going on in our country. I, I look in our, our nation, and I, I see some of our leadership, and I see our economy. I see, we are $20 trillion in debt. 
I mean, I can't even, I can't even, that's hard to even get your head around. What's, what's going on? So you say, well, what are we supposed to do? Because it seems hopeless. And now look at Daniel. We get involved. We call out what is right from wrong. And then we hope for God's mercy. Daniel went to the king. He said, king, repent. And he said, repent and let us have hope that there is an extension of your prosperity. Now what he was talking about here is God's judgment is going to come because of the way that we've lived. Let's repent so that one, God may remove his hand of discipline from us, or two, that if he's going to discipline us anyway, that it won't last as long as it should. Now that's, that's where I am right now as a country. As a, as a citizen in this country, I am praying for our nation. I'm going to be involved in the process in hopes that God will give our nation mercy. Now, I don't know what's going to happen in our nation, but I do know this. Jesus has called his people. He has called his church to be a light in the darkness. And we cannot be a light if we are not engaged. We cannot be a light if we do not go out in the midst of darkness and speak truth. So what do we do? A couple simple things. For starters, be involved Tuesday. Just be involved Tuesday. You know, one, one of the things our civics team, they made up uh, some, they asked some, uh, some questions to our school board candidates that we think are pertinent to those of us who are Christians. Now only, I believe, four or five of them filled them out. So I, I'd encourage you to go get the school board guide so that you can look and see what their, what their answers are so that you can be informed whenever you vote. That's one of the things that we can do. Another thing that we can do is pray. Pray for, for God to guide our leaders. Pray that God would open their hearts, that they would be responsive to the leadership of God. And then this is what I feel strongly about. Talk to God and see if God might be calling you to be involved in the process. To be involved as, as a person who would, who would run for office. You know, locally, statewide, nationally, whatever it might be. We need more and more Christians who will do this. What did Daniel do? He was involved. He called out right from wrong. And then he hoped for God's mercy. Now, I want to close the service today by us doing this. Let us take time right now to just simply pray and say, God, may you provide us with leadership. And God, I pray that you'll provide our nation with mercy. And may we turn back to you. Lord, may we follow you.